Good morning, and thank you for tuning in to the Global Current on 89.5 FM, WSOU. I'm your host, Stephanie Miller. We've got a great show for you guys this week, so without further ado, I'm going to turn it on over to our new host. Good afternoon, everyone. So I have with me entrepreneur Dara Root, who is a diplomacy student, and she has an interesting experience that she'll be telling us today and sharing what um, she did so that we can learn to be a diplomacy student, a proper one, I might say. Thank you for joining us today, Harshana. Hi, um, thank you so much for having me. I'm really glad to be here to be talking about my experience. Yeah, okay. So, going straight to it. So, what I've learned was that you attended an event in Abu Dhabi. I did. The United, United Arab Emirates. So, how was that? Um, so... It was a very unique experience. So I went to Abu Dhabi last November. Um, I attended a modern United Nations conference um, with an Italian organization. Um, it's an NGO organization. It's called the Diplomatic Association. The conference is called Change the World Modern United Nations Conference. And I learned about this experience to one of my previous Iman colleagues, um, back in Mauritius from where I am from. So she suggested that I apply for this conference because um, they were offering a scholarship, a sort of fellowship to attend the conference. Everything went through and I was able to participate in that. Honestly, it was absolutely mind-blowing. Um, I think the location was a very key factor that played into that. Abu Dhabi is a, is a beautiful, beautiful place. A lot of millennial traditions, um, even the metropolitan splendor and intercultural atmosphere that was present there just made this experience even more exceptional and valuable. So you did mention that Abu Dhabi is a key factor in organizing this event on the model United Nations. Outside of the cultural impact or the change of scene from the United States to United Emirates, why you have an idea on why did they choose to have the, the event in the UAE? So, the way the association works, they have these conferences in different strategic locations around the world. They have one in Abu Dhabi, they are about to have one in Singapore in May. They have a conference in Barcelona as well. They have one in Italy, where um, the NGO is headquartered. And this year, they have it at the United Nations um, headquarters in New York City going to take us in March, and I will be there, actually. So um, I think they factor these things very well, depending on every location has something unique to offer. I think Abu Dhabi is especially unique in that, you know, the tradition, the culture, it welcomes students from all around the world. So I was able to have that very unique experience where I experienced multicultural that's very nice to know. Um, so you say that you'll be attending the, the event in New York in yes. March. Yeah. Will you be attending the one in Singapore? I will not be attending the one Why in not? Singapore. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's very much close to finals. Um, it's taking place from May 6th to May. I'm taking risk. <laughs> I think a very big factor to consider that many people have not really asked me about is how far away it is from being here. Um, taking to the factor of jet lag, I 
and they travel for 20 hours, getting there, not having the time to rest the next day, have to go back to the conference. I think Singapore would be a very good experience, but I feel lucky to even be able to attend the one in New York because this happens to be the biggest men conference, the biggest men gathering. The biggest um, one, you said? Yes, the biggest one. It welcomes over 3,000 students um, from 140 countries around the world. Last year when they held it, I believe Bill Clinton was the guest of honor, which he happens to be again this year. Did they run out of guests or <laughs> they did, are they going to be having someone else other than Bill Clinton? I believe they have the <coughs> Deputy um, Secretary General who will be there. They welcome the Italian ambassador as well, um, representative of the UN. So a lot of dignitaries um, members of the that's going to be a very interest, uh, interesting experience, especially because I won't be there as a delegate this time. I will be part of the administrative team. So, to organize the event? Yes, part of the organizing team. I have been a delegate in the past. Um, last year when I was in Abu Dhabi, I was uh, in the Security Council. I represented South Africa. So the way it worked actually is I have a co-delegate. She was from Australia. She's from Australia. So this time it's a different experience. Not as a delegate. Just having the opportunity to observe how conferences are organized. Oh, so you moved from being a participant to an organizer. How do you think that has helped you throughout your um, two years so far at the university? Or just reflect back as a student in diplomacy? Um, when I came in as a student, um, especially I think coming to the US is a very a new, a new environment, a new people, a new culture. So having to adapt to that, having to learn how to communicate, this is something that I have strongly developed over these two years. And this is something that has helped me a lot while I was in Canada. Because I was surrounded with people from different cultures, um, I was able to effectively develop my communication skills even more. Being able to accepting that we're from different backgrounds, that we have different thoughts and opinions, but still being able to work together collaboratively, devising solutions to, to the challenges that we presented to us as delegates. Because a very important factor about organization and the way they organize the conference is that they try to model it um, very much so as a actual structure of the United Nations and how mm -hmm. committee sessions do so that's, that was definitely an extremely fruitful experience where I learned a lot about myself, how I will hold myself in a completely foreign environment, going to a place for the first time, meeting new people, professional environment as well. So certainly. Have you had any experience with Model United Nations in the United States before? Not in the United States, no. I have been involved with the Model UN back in Manchester. Um, I have been a delegate. Have been a chapter since we but never in the US. I'm not part of the EU model UN So I did this independently. I applied independently to the conference and attended. But the main reason, the, the very important thing for me is to be able to share this experience to show how valuable these experiences are, how important it is to actually go out there and do things in your own, to reach out, to seek opportunities, because you never know what these are. I believe that if I never chose to attend this conference, well, naturally, I wouldn't attend the one in New York now. Um, I wouldn't have gotten to know all these people. I, I, made, I made friends from, I mean, I made friends from people 
from Amsterdam, from Singapore, from Ukraine. I was still very much in touch today. And it's always nice to know how these people live. I mean, they're all in the field of, of international relations. Mm -hmm. Just what they want to do with their lives and what part they have chosen. What's the reason behind it? Um, it's very nice to know these things. It helps you think a lot about the things that you are doing yourself. Do you see a lot of differences where your first experience with Mother UN and with this actual grand event in the UAE, is there anything that you would like to implement back to your original Mother UN or is there any recommendation you do to any other Mother UN in the world or just simply at Seahorn University? Well, I'm not that Set aside from this conference, I haven't really been involved with Mother U for a very long time. This was a conference, well, after two years or a year and a half, I believe, where I was exposed to uh, conference. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was more so about what I was going to learn from that experience than actually. Uh, I think the most important thing that I have learned from this conference is communication, communicating with people, how to connect with people, how to make the most of the experiences that I was uh, that I, ha I was able to have. I think being in the Security Council especially, we had a lot of um, topics related to disarmament, global challenges, peace, peace, um, peace and security issues. So in line with what I'm studying at school, it was very interesting to see how I would actually implement that in a real world situation. Well, definitely this is a simulation, but it plays a lot with what I'm actually learning in school. And to also be able to see how they implement what they are studying in fact, because they're all university students, and they're all in the same field as I am, but there's definitely a difference in how they see things. Taking a step back from all those thoughts of being on the model you learn, how did you decide to um, leading you to this point I well actually that's a very interesting <coughs> question back um, when I was in high school when I did the model United Nations I got selected to participate in an international conference this one took place in India it was a model conference as well and I think from that point leading on I realized how how apt I was for this field I had a great passion for it, just studying these, these issues, these affairs. And then I applied for the, for the diplomacy program. And then I came here wanting to be part of you know, the movement of change. My area of specialization, where I want to specialize is um, war and conflict resolution and human rights. For me, the, the most important thing of the role is to be able to be part of a dialogue where People, it's, it's almost like sometimes people don't really realize what is at stake or what is the most important thing to take into consideration. Um, I want to be part of a, a movement whereby we solve these issues. Considering all these vast amount of information putting out there in this day and age, I think it's just hard for people to just understand how much that are going on in the world and it's. I'm just curious to know how would you try to relay that information back to those population that can be apathy to world events. They absorb so much information that they simply cannot care anymore. 
how will you lay out what you learn so that they can care a little bit more, just a bit more, so for the better world. I think sometimes people, unless it's happening to them, they don't feel concerned. Um, Self-interest. Yeah, so they might very well be seeing something on the news and they might very well feel some sort of, of sympathy or whatsoever, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they are going to want to act. I keep thinking that today the world doesn't really need your sympathy. What it needs is acceptance and respect for each other. And that is going to be a very important thing whereby we will actually go out of our way to help others. Um, what's the most important thing to realize is everybody deserves the same rights and the same sort of respect. And it's never right to assume that you cannot do anything, regardless of what position you might be in. You can always go out of, of your way to do something. Um, that's, this is what I do, and this is what the reason why I am in this. Well, that's a very thoughtful question uh, answer. My apologies. Um, so, at Cian Hall currently, has there been anything that you have studied so far that you may not know before, or this is just where you're putting more emphasis on what you already know in the field? Um, well, I think a very well, life-changing experience, definitely, is when I did the African Union Seminar. Um, oh, School to, of yes, to, last March. Ethiopia, yes, I did that. That was definitely a highlighted experience of my life because um, I had never been to Africa before. And you would consider, well, I come from Mauritius, so I would know a lot about those things, and I did it. Um, my apologies for my ignorance. May I ask where it is? So Mauritius is uh, an island state off the coast of Madagascar. A very small island, but um, considering the fact that it's part of the African continent, it's pretty well developed. So when I went to Ethiopia, we went to the African Union uh, headquarters, we went to the U.S. Embassy, and we attended lectures on you know, security issues, um, economic development, and everything. Especially with Africa, the issue of free trade, the free trade agreement that's happening. When I went to Ethiopia, at the point, the free trade agreement had not yet been implemented. And so it was very interesting to see the dialogue that was taking place. Because people were really optimistic about it, and they were really pushing for this, for this to happen. And now that it's actually happening, um, I, I'm following this very, very closely, especially with Africa there's regions of So I think that um, should definitely change a lot for me in terms of where I want to focus. What I want to focus on in terms of security in Africa. I'm just curious some more about um, the situation in Africa, where um, because I personally don't know a lot about Africa, but I'm just curious because of the dynamic political dynamic. I'm just curious if people are pushing for it. Why does it take so long for the process to actually go through? Well, the challenges with um, well, actually the biggest problem with the free trade agreement is how it's actually going to be implemented. Because um, with Africa, what we had is Nigeria at first was very reluctant from signing the trade. Only did so very recently. Um, and Nigeria is the biggest economic actor, so its contribution is very vital. Um, what we see in Africa is a lot of um, corruption, a very slow system. The legal system is extremely slow. Leaders are corrupt or they have an authoritarian regime where the, the, the populace isn't supportive of their leaders. So as long as we don't see that, it's hard to actually see um, 
a, a deal that is intended to unite the whole continent as a fact. Um, with we see the the, the rise of Pan Africanism or the hope for it. Um, I think a very important aspect of the trade deal is that it's going to unite the continent completely new way. The continent has been so divided for so long, especially post-colonial um, division. And the, the individual countries were never able to really instill that element of nationalism within their, their, their citizens, whereby people feel a certain pride belonging to, to their countries. Not, I would say not even to their country, to their own side, to their own the tribes, group yeah. that they belong to. Having lived in poverty for so long and mm -hmm. having been um, dismissed by their governments for so long. Which makes the matter more difficult than it already is. Which makes it even more difficult than it already is. But um, there is a lot of hope uh, with this new trade deal. I feel like once people start seeing what it actually, the hopes that it presents for the future, um, hopefully that will definitely be And at the same time, we also see Africa has never really, has never really been allowed to to emerge with all its potentials that it has. It's always been exploited, always been suppressed by other um, powerful countries with how much China has um, invested or influenced with Africa, trying to pull out from all its resources, with Russia investing. And, um, um, so it's very interesting to see how Africa is really going to, to deal with these challenges. But I believe it's not impossible, but what it really requires is Cooperation within the member states and um, support from the international community. Yes, I think the extreme difficulty that Africa faces is that they're pulling to extreme from economic prosperity from China, Russia to Western ideology supports. I think that's the main. I I would I would not say that's the main um, conflict that they have, but certainly that's. The, that's the top priorities. But to to my main questions, for your short time in Africa last uh, March, uh, did you see did you see any accountability mechanism exist within the AU or any African countries in their process of achieving this unity? Not really, actually. Well, while I was at the U.S. Embassy, uh, we heard a lecture from the U.S. ambassador. Um, Mary Leonard, so she's the ambassador to the AU, um, and she briefly mentioned about the struggles. Um, the biggest struggle is definitely security. Um, the security structure in Africa is very much weak. Um, they have a security system that is not fully operational, fully established. But the way Africa works, works is because of its huge population um, and with so many terrorist organizations functioning in different areas of the continent, sometimes it's hard to um, implement mechanisms at the same time that these acts are happening. So the continent is not able to respond fast enough to the speed at which terrorists are acting. So what happens is the, the, the difference in pace and the inability to properly counteract um, these, these issues is a big challenge. And there is not enough accountability for that. Most of... Um, the security support comes from the U.S. or from the European Union, especially with the U.S., which has uh, the AFRICOM. So they have the partnership where the U.S. military support um, African military and helps them in promoting So the challenge mostly with African security is how weak the, the counteracting system is. The institutions, the, the 
individual actors. Yes. yes. That's hard for a lot of Western states to comprehend because that's what they've lived with for a lot of years. Um, but I just want to wrap it up with um, focusing on you again. About so I heard that you are the only seeing Hall University University student that actually attended this. Um, this Modern uh, UN in UAE in the UAE. So, is there any advice, or is there any aspiration you would like for other students within your class, or the or your the classes after? Is there anything that you'd like to just lay out for them so that you know they can learn to maybe you maybe they can be you someday. Um, so it was very interesting when I when I went there and um, our international coordinator, she mentioned that you were actually the only American student. The like, only American. The only American. That's student, surprising. The only student from America who attended our conference, and um, I was a little surprised at first, but then um, for me, I think what the, the main message that I want to share is um, I want to encourage students to to seize this opportunity, any opportunity that can come there, because they never know what they might learn from um, At the same time, this is going to develop their leadership skills, their communication skills so much, and even being, being in an independent environment, just being able to learn about how you, you um, carry yourself in a professional, in a vast environment where there's so many people around, and each and every one tries to be better or is better than that person. And at the same time, this is not what matters the most. It's not about who you can be better with. It's about who you are yourself. Where you place yourself in an international environment where everyone is striving to do the same. And I think this international exposure was, was a very key factor to the experience that I took back home. And um, I'm very hopeful that uh, people will hopefully learn from this experience for themselves. And I would encourage students to actually participate in the upcoming conference that is going to take place at the UN. I think this is going to be very unique and very different. Um, a national conference is always different than an international conference in the sense that um, it's not it's, it's, it's different with people that you're interacting with. Um, you get a sense of how sometimes it can be hard. Sometimes you keep wondering, oh, am I saying the right thing? What is the yes, wrong thing to say? Self you're self-conscious around others. But then you get overall of it. You surmount that and you realize that what's most important is the moment that you're living in right now. And you realize that you might never have it again. And you make the most of it. And that's exactly what I did. You just basically learned through actions. I did. So, so for other students, how would you keep them be engaged and also find these opportunities outside of school setting, outside just outside of their comfort zone. How how would you recommend students to um, tackle that process? I think sometimes it's really hard because a lot of students at the same time have their um, classes to attend, a lot of students work, a lot of students have internships. Preoccupied. Everyone is preoccupied, but at the same time, I keep thinking, well, it's something that everybody else is doing. Um, what am I doing differently that nobody else is doing? Um, I want to achieve a lot, and I believe a lot of people want to achieve a lot. So they have to keep on keeping that mindset that they have to do things differently. They have to do a little bit more than what others are doing. 
So that's when it's important to go out there and seek mm-hmm. out those opportunities. Go online, go on, go on Institute uh, website. They have a lot of conferences that they organize, um, a lot of competitions that they organize. And at the same time, it's not about um, trying your best to win anything. It's just about how, what exposure you get. Um, one, one of my friends that I met at the conference, her name is Kate, she's from UK. She told me, it's not who's going to win this conference. She told me, remember, this conference is only going to be one line in your CV. That's all it's going to be. So you choose to decide whether you are going to, well, just worry and stress about how hard this, how like competitive aspect of it, or what you choose to take back as a learning experience. So I think for me, this is the most important: not to view everything as a competition, how much you're going to get to learn from it, and how you're going to use it. Wise words, certainly. It was a pleasure talking to you, Marsha. Thank you so much. Thank Thanks you for being That wraps up this week's show. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for updates on upcoming shows. This show could not be made possible without executive producer Bella Fisher, technical producer Brittany Segura, assistant technical producer Jason Marieski, interview producer Tian Fan, news editor Jared Dang, and special thanks to our sound engineer Emilio Solo. I'm Stephanie Miller. The Global Current is brought to you by the School of Diplomacy and International Relations at Seton Hall University. Be sure to tune in every Sunday at 7.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on 89.5 FM WSOU. See you next week.